I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, April 6, 2019. The only thing we have to economic health of this nation has been more essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline we in the dollar is good. It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Jennifer Thomas and Peter Lynch. Good morning. That Peter Lynch. He's a little bit different than the one that got so famous for beating the market like 10 years in a row. and then I thought that's who he was. You're telling me that's not the Peter Lynch? <laughs> I, according to him, you would not be the <laughs> only person to have made that mistake. Uh, but he is the real Peter Lynch, um, at least around here. I am. Yeah, he's uh, Hensler Financial's one and only Peter Lynch. How about that? Um so uh, I'm, uh, it's the first time, you know, usually when I say that, what up, fam? I'm trying to be a lot hipper these days. Um, Just saying hip made you not hipper. <laughs> uh, well, of course. I mean, this is the way it works. Um, I, I act this way around my kids and annoy the uh, the stuffings out of them, and, and uh, that's always a lot of fun for pretty much any dad. I think it's Well, that's it's the only reason the that you really have kids is to annoy them, right? Yeah, it's it's an of some them. sort. Yes, of course. Yes. And uh, when they're they're young girls uh, working toward womanhood, uh, it's real easy to to embarrass <laughs> it take them. Much. Not much at all. But uh, anyway, so I'll um, I'll continue that. But this is the first time I haven't had a millennial. Usually we got so many young folks around here. Are you calling Peter and Thank I you. old? <laughs> no, I'm calling you not millennials. Uh, Same thing. So uh, yeah, we have a, a bit more mature crowd today. Uh, Jennifer holds the uh, CFP designation and is uh, the manager of our planning and implementation department around Hensler Financial. So uh, she's got a wealth of knowledge going a few years back. She is quite a young woman, but, uh, you know, still, you know. Yeah, I'm one year short of being a boomer. So <laughs> <laughs> so there. She's, uh, uh, she's. I always call Casey um Grandpa Millennial. Yeah. So yeah. does that make you Grandma X? Pretty much. Grandma X. How about that? <laughs> I like it. So anyway, we uh, now Maybe we that have should be my grandmother name. <laughs> Grandma X. How about that? If you started wrestling, it could be a good name for that, too. How about that? I think we did discuss uh, you've, yeah. you've got a grandchild on the way. Yes. And, and you're uh, yes. concerned about Any what day. your grandchild might call you. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So I think we've about worked it out, right? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, well, when the kid comes along. They, a lot they of have, times they have a you. mind of their own. They they can name you themselves. Yeah, so. if, if she's like her grandma at all, she's definitely going to have a <laughs> mind of her own. Uh, anyway, along with uh, Jennifer, we have Peter Lynch, as uh, we've already discussed. And he, too, is a, a financial planner in our financial planning department. Actually, you're called an associate, I think, around here, right? Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, you do function... Uh, as a financial planner to those on the outside, right? I do. Our clients. Um, all right, so having all that laid out, um, 
our market this week actually was up. I tell you every week it's going to be up. Uh, yes, I'm a broken record, and I, I let you know that right off the bat. But 2.22% uh, on the S&P 500. We saw a gain this week. Uh, Led by materials at 4.92%, financials, industrials, and commu uh, communication services, which is our new sector, um, newly named sector at least, uh, followed all above 3% on the week. Um, we did have a few that were down. Real estate was almost flat, negative 0.02%. Utilities down 039 and consumer staples down 054 all of which uh, are what we would consider... Um, interest rate sensitive sectors uh, they tend to do well when uh, interest rates decline and uh, they're they're bond like in in that regard um, but uh, this week we did see some higher interest rates in several spots in the yield curve and I've been talking about this quite a bit lately our yield curve is still got a real weird shape to it it's very flat um, between the one month yield uh, on the uh, government <clears throat> uh, treasury uh, securities, we got 2.41%. The 10 years at 2.51. Uh, very odd shape in the yield curve because the one, three, and six month yields are higher than the one year, two year, three year, five year, and the seven year. Um, right across the board, it's a it's a very strange, but still we would consider that an inversion. Um, and what we've been looking at lately is the three-month versus the 10-year. The and uh, with that being the case, um, you know what? I think I read this wrong. It's still inverted in some of the curve. It still has that weird cup shape, almost like a Nike swoosh if you look at it in, in chart or graph form. Um, but uh, we did see some, some higher uh, yields in the middle of that, 12.5 uh, basis points or 0.125%. Growth in the one year, uh, 20 basis points through the um, the two, three, five, and seven year uh, on out to the 10 year. So we saw uh, a bit of a, a steepening in that particular piece, um, but it's still really relatively flat. 2.42 and a half percent, 2.425 on the one month versus the 10 year at 2.72. So 30 basis points there. Yeah, what I was quoting you the first time was about a month ago, uh, yield curve where we did have that inversion, and the inversion lasted almost a month. So, um, you know, it's still one of those strange situations. I think I heard uh, this morning uh, the, some Fed talk about uh, maybe having interest rates increase in uh, in months to come, but the market still doesn't reflect that. We're still seeing uh, the options market say. Um, I, I looked just a few days ago, middle of the week, um, options market was telling us that we're going to have about a 61 or 62 percent chance of an increase in, uh, or a decrease rather, a cut in interest rates in January uh, of next year, January 2020, uh, which would mean that um, we're probably a little worried about growth at that point. And still looking at no changes for this year? Well, yeah, I think officially that's the that's the word. He really doesn't give us that specific detail, but he, right. he you know, Fed Chairman Powell has told us that uh, he was going to be as accommodative as necessary for the remainder of the year. I think it's interesting that uh, after December's 
rate increase, which to me was a little bit questionable. The data didn't really support much of an increase, uh, if at all. Um, you know, the president was against it, but he raised it anyway. It's almost like he politicized, the, he being the president, politicized the, the deal uh, in that regard. But uh, the Fed pushed against it, and maybe not to the benefit of all, because it was uh, shortly after that that we started seeing that inversion, that weird shape in the yield curve uh, come on. Why do we worry so much about it? It's one of the biggest uh, indicators that has been proven for quite a long time. Uh, an indicator of coming recession. So, and the inversion that you speak of, uh, the uh, the two year and the ten year is a classic signal. Is a classic signal, right. right? But if you if you do boil it down to the three month and the ten year, it actually is a stronger signal based on uh, on historic numbers. Uh, it's just not the one that's watched so closely. Okay. Without a doubt. So uh, we got some information this week on uh, economic data. Uh, some of the things that uh, that popped up is interesting. There, there are very few of these that are real positives. Uh, we did see retail sales go negative, uh, uh, slowing by 2.2% uh, um, versus an estimated positive 0.2%. Although January, this was February numbers reported this week, but January um, sales were actually revised higher to 0.7%. So, uh, kind of strange there. Home sales reported at uh, 667,000 versus a consensus of between 620 and 630,000, so better than expected, uh, led by increases in the Northeast and the Midwest regions. It might be that uh, spring is here and folks are feeling a little more likely to get out and start shopping for homes. Um, and those, again, are new home sales. Uh, personal income rose 0.2% in February, which was slightly under the consensus forecast of 0.3%. Uh, half of the total income uh, comes from wages and salaries, which increased 0.3% in February. Uh, receipts on assets, which is generally um, business owners, uh, was down 0.7%, so uh, followed the bigger decrease of 3.7% in January. So uh, not as bad as January. Maybe we do see things turning a little bit there. Uh, one of the things that we see also that's uh, highly correlated with GDP is ISM Manufacturing Index. Uh, down slightly from the forecast, but uh, actually it hit 55.3. Anything above 50 in this regard uh, is is a... Uh, positive it's showing growth um, but it's still you know down slightly from previous month so uh, not a huge thing to talk about we already talked about interest rates uh, one thing that follows that quite often we got a mortgage application survey this week uh, which told us that uh, they increased by 18.6 percent that is a huge increase and uh, most of that increase is due to uh, refinancing. Refinancing applications increased by 22.6%, something you generally see in a rising interest rate environment. But um, it's really strange to me that we would see it uh, when it when it uh, is uh, with interest rates so low. Some pretty big numbers. Big numbers, yeah. Well, we're going to take a break right here. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. We'll come back with a dog of the week and answer some financial questions.
This is the dog. The dog of the week. Dog of the week this week. Coming out of the Associated Press. Jennifer, you have to is that a little loud for you? Yeah, it was a little bit. <laughs> Had to turn turn down your your ear trumpet. Yes. Yeah. That's new music for the dog. It is. Uh, it's only a couple of weeks we've been using that music. Uh, went away from one that we've been using for years. Sometimes it's good to have a little breath of fresh air on the show, and uh, this time is no other. Um, I wanted to talk about a, a story we found this week uh, out of the Associated Press. Comes out of Rogers, Arkansas. Two men this past Sunday were. Uh, enjoying a, a few brews on the on the deck when one of them uh the older of the two uh, was 50 year old charles ferris and the younger was 36 year old christopher hicks two men that really should know better than this uh the old guy must have been a couple of beers further in than uh than the younger uh put on a Bulletproof vest and handed the other one a actually, 22 rifle. I actually read this article. Yeah. And uh, told the guy, go ahead, give me a shot. And he, uh, he did just that. I don't think they were talking about tequila this time. Uh, so uh, 22 rifle, right in the chest, made a real bad red mark. And the guy whose idea it seems to have been, the one who got shot, mm-hmm. was angry. Why? Because it hurt. <laughs> I guess the pain was enough to make him hurt. So, to fix it all, oh, no. the younger man decided, instead of you know getting him a piece of ice or an ice pack or something, he, he cured it like you would if you were in kindergarten. Oh, I'm sorry I hit you in the head. Here, you take the toy and hit me back with it, and that'll fix it, right? Mm-hmm. So, the younger man puts on the the jacket, turns around, and uh, allowed the first guy to shoot him, emptying the clip of the twenty two rifle into his back, where they found a bunch of bruises. These guys didn't get arrested until the next day. I don't know if it was because of the noise, if it was wee hours of the night. Really, the details aren't available. This isn't the same article that I read. I read, <laughs> strangely enough, I read an article about a guy that dared another guy to shoot him with a vest on, and I don't know if he missed or it went... And it killed the guy. So oh. he got arrested Ouch. for involuntary manslaughter. Mm. So what did they get arrested for? What, did they do something illegal? Uh, suspicion of... Stupidity? Not, yeah, well, I mean, is that illegal? I, d- I don't think it is. Uh, because I probably would have a life sentence by now. <laughs> but uh, suspicion of aggravated assault was the charge for both of them. And the fact that it's suspicion of... Makes me think that uh, this might have been a story that was told to them, and they decided to go out and check out the two guys. Uh, like I said, they found bruises on one of them's back, and probably the red mark still on the chest of the the initial gentleman. We'll call him. Well, nobody died. Well, I, I wonder how many mobile homes were injured in the the offing of this crime. Maybe not any. That, I don't know. That's just insane that you would allow someone to open fire on you regardless of what oh, you're right. wearing. And then, you know, turnabout is fair play, is oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is, to me, the second part is worse and, than and the if, first. And if the first one was mad, like, would you then really let him? <laughs> what is that? Shoot at you. Right. <laughs> this is like the absolute best friend ever, right? He's, I'm sorry that you're hurting because you told me to shoot you. 
here, let you, we'll let you shoot me back, and that makes it all better. Honestly, it, 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 is that the way this works? But haven't you ever wanted to maybe try that? Uh, now, this is coming from <laughs> no. Peter, who is very much a gun enthusiast. No, yeah. I have never wanted yeah. to do this. <laughs> this. This thought has never crossed my mind, Peter. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Dog of the Week this week seems to be Peter Lynch. <laughs> Peter's the one voted most likely to go ballistic and um, break out his weapons. <laughs> well, I don't. Maybe I should start wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> and uh, no, I would never invite anyone to see if it worked. Uh, you wear a bulletproof vest in case you know the unexpected. You would never go around saying, "Hey, go ahead." You have to make sure it works, though. I guess somebody has to test it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they did, and we know now that it works. <laughs> well, it doesn't stop anger. It only stops bullet. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. I wonder if it was a hollow point. I mean, there's different uh, ballistic profiles for different 22 rifles, right? We could right. be talking about a, a 22 short, which wouldn't go uh, supersonic anyway, right? Right. Yeah, so they sound like the crack of a pellet rifle. But anyway, enough of that. Let's move on. Finance, finance. Uh, we've got uh, a story this week we wanted to, to share with our audience. Um, circumstances involve uh, a couple of folks, Hugh and Gracie, who really want to protect their short-term money. Uh, they've got um, an emergency fund that they want to keep very liquid, which is what an emergency fund should be. Um, at the end of the year, they bumped up their emergency fund, knowing that uh, the market was uh, showing some volatility ahead. Uh, they know too well uh, how life goes. Usually at the very worst time is when you're going to get hit with these things. Uh, and, and usually if you've got an emergency fund, there really is no good time, right? Uh, they can't decide what's best for the emergency fund. Is it? Uh, uh, it's normally three months of expenses, but they bumped it up to six, um, which in their case is a little over $100,000 uh, of expenses would be covered in six months. Uh, they really need to protect the money and its purchasing power, but uh, also don't want to take the risk, which is, um, you know, quite often, especially over the last few years, you couldn't get short-term rates that would uh, beat inflation. Uh, and when we talk about covering purchasing power, that's precisely what we're talking about, a, an amount that, that covers the expenses and inflation on the, the money that's held. So uh, you guys, being financial planners, and I uh, use the term guys loosely, Jennifer. Um, we all know you're not a guy. <laughs> um, but uh, just want to see what your take might be on this. I know uh, rates have come up, and we even talked about them being a little higher this week than they were last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, but what's available in the market, and, and how would you go about covering this? Uh, I think one of the one thing to mention is um, – Interest rates are still low. So relatively speaking, right. they have come up. They are more attractive, but they're still low overall. So again, a great time to borrow money if that's something that you need to do. But keeping it safe, uh, one thing that I like to, and I think the standard should change, is moving from the three-month to six months. I think that's just uh, a good idea to keep six months worth, worth of uh, spending in that emergency fund. Um, but looking at CD rates, CD rates are more attractive now. Um, you're getting to the point where, yes, they are higher than inflation. Um, they're FDIC insured for the most part, as long as you uh, keep the registrations where they need to be. 
Um, so CD rates are attractive. Um, you can find them online, but you can typically, just looking at maybe a one-year CD, pretty close to 2.5%. Right. So, so pretty decent. Um, and just remember that the main goal of this money isn't to necessarily get the best yield. It's that the money's there when you need it. So right. liquidity. Well, one of the things that, you know, we often do with clients, too, is because you never know when that event's going to happen. So if you lock it all up in a one-year CD, then, you know, you have to break that CD in order to get out of that. But if you can get in the habit of where maybe you have um, money that's coming due every month or every quarter so that you always have some cash on hand or some cash that's going to be there quickly, you know, in the near future instead of having to necessarily wait a year if you've just purchased it and then you were to lose your job. So if you can kind of roll the money, you know, you can uh, once you get it to where it can always be a one-year CD, but you have some that's coming due each month or each quarter. Yeah, so like a short-term ladder. If right. You, uh, you start out, maturities. yeah. Yeah. So that you, you know, you get that fluctuation in the maturity so that there's always going to be some money coming due. The other thing that I would say is that, you know, Yes, when you have a job and you're working and you know how much you can spend and you're spending, your budget is different than if you don't have a job. So if your living expenses, you know, if you say you it's $100,000 for six months, I would venture to say that there's probably some things that you might be able to cut back in there. Yep. You know, like you're probably not going to go on vacation. You're probably, you know, there's certain things that you may or may not do. So if I would look at what your really hard expenses are because you also don't want to do detriment to the fact that you could have your portfolio growing for you if it's money that you're not really going to need. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, that seems like a, a little high, but that may be their situation. Right, it but, may be. But, yeah, you're exactly right, keeping a minimal amount for basic living expenses. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the Definitely. the. Um, uh, I think we probably ought to flesh out a little bit of the difference between a bank type CD, which would have uh, penalties when you when you take it away from the mm -hmm. bank. Generally, all of them do, and uh, you know you can get traded um, yeah. CDs. There are brokered CDs, but even if you sell before maturity, usually you get a little hit on some of the interest. So you might you still yeah. get the interest that's been accrued right. in, the, in the CD. So you know past numbers mm -hmm. and there's not a penalty it just depends on what how the market has moved right yeah, how mm -hmm. the market might have moved right. so sometimes it might yeah. even be a better sometimes deal. it mm -hmm. could be better for you but you know um just making sure you know even then we still you know look at trying to kind of have it sure. mature over and there there are some other things that you can consider as well and why don't we uh, take a real quick break and when we come back we'll flesh those out a little bit you're listening to Money Talks, and we'll be right back. Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jennifer Thomas and Peter Lynch. And uh, we always love to hear questions from our listeners. If you have questions yourself and you'd like to have us answer them on the air, you can contact us at 1-855-429-9166, which is our question hotline. Uh, the way it works, you'll get a recorded message. You leave your message, including your question, 
Uh, we play the question on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you prefer then to talk to a human being, you can call our normal number, 770-429-9166. Ask for our radio producer, Kelly Lynn, and uh, she will uh, take your information, your question, and uh, get it to us, and, and uh, we'll answer on the air. Uh, if you don't want to talk to anybody, just absolutely not a soul, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com, spelled D-R-G-E-N-E, at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, if you want to talk to either Peter or Jennifer, you can always call at same number, 770-429-9166. Uh, if any of our conversation spurs uh, an interest or a need, uh, we'd love to help you with those as well. So uh, getting back to our previous conversation, we were talking about ways to uh, keep your emergency fund. Um, and, Peter, you made the point uh, it's it's not really about... Uh, protecting your purchasing power as much as it is being liquid. Now, there are some issues with that as well, right? Yeah, there are. And CDs are, I guess you could consider them somewhat liquid, but you may be tied up a little longer depending on the maturity that you choose. But there are some other options. Right. Um, Some may have a little bit lower interest rates, but are more liquid. Money markets, for example. Right. You still get the protection from the FDIC, um, but they are more liquid. There may be some... um, some caveats to that, or you may not be able to have um, access like you would a checking account. So there may be fewer withdrawals, um, but uh, it is something else, again, that's liquid, safe, and just another place to park your money. And these are the money market funds that you're talking about. They're, they're going to be from a bank normally? Yes. Yep. Uh, and they also have, there are money market mutual funds, right? There are. There and, are. and those could be a potential option as well. I know we had some changes since our last recession. Uh, the financial crisis of 2007-2008 actually brought the government into the picture, and uh, they made some changes where those money market mutual funds can actually break the buck, is what we call it. They can, and they typically try to maintain a dollar per share. Right, so the price being worth. a dollar. Exactly. Right. And like you said, in 2008, they did break the buck, meaning that dollar actually dropped in this particular case to 97 cents. Yeah. So if you had $100,000, this money market fund was worth $97,000. Right. And what generally drives that is uh, is a, almost like a, a run on banks, right? It's it, everybody wanting their own money back at the same time, right? Exactly. And that was the secondary piece of this. So inside that money market fund are multiple money markets, and one of them just happened to be linked to Lehman Brothers, who went under, and that's what caused it to break that buck. But then you had a run. So people right. got nervous. They all wanted to sell at the same time. And but it wasn't just for that fund. Many <laughs> others had the, had the same situation where everybody wanted their money back. Exactly. And then you have a liquidity crisis. So right. they actually locked up the fund for seven days, and um, the run still continued after that. So yeah. they had to liquidate the fund completely. And some people didn't get their funds for right. it. Many, many months. So what did the government do on the backside? Do you know? I, I know, but, you know, I figure I'll ask you because it's a lot more fun just to see if you know. <laughs> well, uh, I, I know that there was uh, – I, I know they did step in with some regulation. I don't right. know what the exact terms were. Yeah, but so they, what they did is on, on uh, money market funds that are not government-related – uh, many of them are, are corporate-based, meaning that they're buying commercial paper and things that uh, that are tied to companies. Um, they they do have a bit of a different risk profile, obviously, from government-type uh, money funds. And what they did was there's a couple of things you got to be careful of because 
What you'll see is if you just go out shopping to buy the one that's got the best yield, you're going to wind up in, potentially in a pickle. Uh, the, the problem is they have now enacted certain things. Number one, uh, a money market mutual fund can break the dollar and still not have to close, which wasn't the case prior. Um, the other thing is uh, during uh, certain times, which is going to always be in the middle of a crisis, especially a liquidity crisis where banks are not willing to loan each other money, uh, you're going to have a situation where they can lock up, lock you out of getting your money for at least 10 days. And they can also charge you 2% on the money that you try to withdraw. So in both of those cases, you, you don't really hit the mark. Uh, it is our recommendation that you avoid those types. It, you know, there's always going to be an option where you can can get a, a government-type uh, money market fund. And really all it means is that government securities are, are held within that fund. So uh, that that's generally our recommendation uh, to avoid those. And then you've got other, there's other options as far as short-term money goes uh, with the uh, invent a few years ago of all these ETFs, what we've been seeing is there are some uh, shorter-term uh, exchange-traded funds that are out there that uh, will give you a reasonable yield, uh, but they're all, I say all, most of their holdings, if not all, are uh, in Treasury-backed securities. So, right. um, so very a, safe. Right. There's one that's out there. I think it's called the uh, Bloomberg uh, one- to three-year Treasury fund. One to three month. One to three, uh, yeah, month. Um, money fund. It's uh, ticker symbol is BIL. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's the <laughs> that's our uh, managing director's name as well. The ticker just happens to be Bill, right? Yeah. Um, but a good and, alternative and spelled exactly. as well. Yeah, and right now it's yielding, you know, over 1.75. I think it's like 1.86 at the moment. Uh, don't hold me to that, but um, that is that is above, you know, it, it meets both of the criteria here. Still better than a bank. Right. A savings account, checking right. account. And it, but but uh, so so you're beating inflation. You are protecting your purchasing power. Um, but I would still try to diversify, as Jennifer recommended earlier. You know, with a with a ladder type investment uh, in those types of securities. Yeah. Uh, if there's you got any, guys got anything more to add to that? Just know that there are different options and just be careful of the names since a money market and a money market fund are two different vehicles. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even money market funds are not all the same now that we've had that regulatory action. So right. um, if you ran into questions with that, again, uh, Jennifer or uh, Peter will always be willing to help you. 770-429-9166. So, guys, we got some other questions uh, from our listeners. We just as well roll into those. Uh, Got one here. Wanda from Canton says, My husband and I sat down to review and rebalance our 401ks as we were looking at our savings and seeing the dates of the target date funds. Panic sank in. Uh, we'll be five to seven years from retirement when our youngest is in college. Trying to maximize retirement funding and paying for school. Uh, I don't even know where to start. So uh, what do you say for that? I think one of the first things I'm going to say, and uh, I don't know if he was the first to say it, but I'm going to credit Casey Smith for <laughs> for this. He said, you can borrow money to go to college, but you can't borrow money for retirement. Yeah. So that's that's that. very important. Um, so one of the things to look at, too, are 
you've got to set some goals here, and I'm going to use the word, you've got to budget for this. Sure. It's, a, it's important. You've got you to say, know. You're saying that a, a plan is actually a good a, thing? A plan, yes. Who would have thunk it? Exactly. A financial planner tells me that a plan is a good thing. <laughs> wow. Well, it, you know, Any it, more brain busters? <laughs> <laughs> no? That's what I'm here for. It is something that is important to take a look at. And just and the, the first thing I would start out with her um, comment is the dates and the target date funds don't necessarily mean what you need to follow. Um, and because that's as a target date fund gets closer to the date that's in that fund, it gets more and more in fixed income. Right. And just because you're going to retire in a certain year, doesn't mean that you need all of your money in your 401k to be in fixed income or the majority of your money in your 401k to be in fixed income investments. It's going to depend on when you're going to need to pull money from that account. You're going to, you know, there's the social security situation. You may get a pension. You may have money that's outside of retirement accounts that you can draw from first. So that may be some of the last money that you want to spend from. Um, and as far as, you know, I mean, I think just sitting down with a financial planner and making sure that your situation in taking into account whether or not you're going to fully pay for college or whether you're going to supplement them for college, um, you know, or can you do it? They can help you run a financial plan and answer some of those questions for you. Um, uh, the other thing that I will tell you is even if your child is, even if you want to fully pay for college, them taking out a student loan and you paying that back over time will build them credit. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that those, they start out with that. Yeah. And the theory is, I mean, they're going to go off and get a decent job. You got to help right. them, you know, pick to make sure that it's going to be something that will sustain them, mm -hmm. but also pay off the debt that, that they create. But, uh, you know, they should be able to cover their own debts coming off the backside of college, right? Yep. And I think with these two options, if those were the only two options, I think retirement always takes priority. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, yep. you, you can't get that time back without a doubt. I would agree with that. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll answer some more of your financial questions. Stay tuned. Money Talk will be right back. finished flying away. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jennifer Thomas and uh, Peter Lynch. And when we left last, uh, we were talking about a situation Wanda from Canton had, uh, wanting to maximize investment funding. Uh, one of the things that she had said is uh, rebalancing her 401k and using uh, target date funds. I, I wanted to back up a little bit and make a point about target date funds. Uh, one thing you should know, usually if it's in your, your uh, 401k, you're not going to have a lot of options. Uh, the trustees will pick the funds that they like best. But know this, if you're just out there investing in your IRA, and uh, it does seem like the easiest option because uh, it is managed by professionals. I mean, it's it's a, a easy thing to do. Uh, you do get diversified. But there are some things that you should know. Number one, all target date funds are not the same. 
you got to look kind of at the risk profile. Some will do better in uh, up markets than they do in down markets um, because of the equities that are held behind the scenes in those funds. Um, <clears throat> all you have to do is you look. I mean, there's rating agencies out there that will show you uh, that um, not all these funds are a five-star, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost impossible for you to get uh, real heavy into bonds, and there's probably a reason that you would not want to do so. Uh, namely, if you're a young person, um, if you don't have some aspect of growth within your portfolio, which is going to come from equities, uh, you may not have enough money at the end of the road. Well, and most target date funds have some fixed income element to it, regardless of even if it's one that goes, you know, real far out. Um, and with our philosophy, our philosophy is if you're not going to need the money in the next 10 years, right. it should be in growth investments. If you're going to need the money in the next 10 years, it should be in fixed income investments. Right. So for somebody who's 20, 30, you know, 40, even a lot of 50-year-olds, they're not going to even think about touching the money that's in their 401k plan in the next 10 years. Right. Um, you know, you have to begin making withdrawals at 70 and a half. There are a lot of people that may retri- retire prior to 70 and a half, but will not pull from their account until that time. Right. So you really need to think about, do I need this money and how much growth do I want to have? Sure. Quite often this? you have other sources of income. Right. So you're going to have Social Security if you've worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you might actually have retirements mm-hmm. or, or various other ways that uh, that you'll be drawing that might not even have you needing uh, a lot of the money. So uh, if that be the case, you would want it to stay more in equities than you would in fixed income. And a lot of people are working longer than they used to. So right. if you're not really going to have a significant, you know, um, long term between the time you retire and the time you turn 70 and a half, you may not really need as much fixed income in there. Um, the other thing is that, you know, Peter mentioned, too, that, you know, regardless, if you once you retire, you're probably looking at needing the money for the next 20 plus years. So you need to have some growth aspect to that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, just like I say, I wanted to back up a step and and, uh, make a plug that uh, while it is better and more diversified than putting your money in cash in your 401k, um, it, it may not be the absolute best option, especially if you're planning outside your 401k. If you're someone right. who absolutely is not going to plan and not going to look at it and not going to take the time to do that, you're probably not somebody who's listening to the show. But if you, uh, <laughs> if you yeah, we're not talking to you. But if you Go are that sleep. person and you happen to just be flipping by on your station, you know, a target date fund might make sense. Right. Yeah. There can be a place for it, but... But, yeah, it's, uh, I think if you look at it more as a needs-based rather than age-based, um, yeah. there can be some, some big benefits yeah. long-term. There, you know, there are a lot of people out there that say whatever your age is, that's how much you need in fixed income investments. And right. we don't actually look at it that way. Um, you know, we look at it of, from the pure basis of when you need the money. Yeah. So we've had clients in their 90s that are not pulling from their portfolio and have it 100% in growth. Right, and it makes sense for them yes, because, because uh, they're growing it for their heirs. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is for the next generation, not for them at all. Correct. Yep. Yeah, so uh, we really do take a more personalized approach. Uh, there's a lot of rules of thumb out there, you know, a mm-hmm. 60-40 split between equities and, and uh, mm-hmm. fixed income, 90-10. We hear them all. But uh, in reality, what we do is look through your personal situation when we're doing a financial plan, and uh, what makes most sense to us is just that. Yeah. Uh, what will you need? And, and it's, there's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes right. to that, for sure. All right, we've got another question here from Rashimi from Atlanta. says, as a Lyft driver for many years, I was able to buy shares and take a, a cash uh, bonus uh, I opted to buy the shares. Uh, I guess he said I was able to buy shares or take a cash bonus. Sorry about that. Uh, I opted to buy the shares. Uh, right now, it's trading lower than I, than for what I bought it. Uh, it looks like I made the wrong decision. What do you think uh, is next for Lyft? Uh, is the initial bump uh, and decline normal for IPOs? Well, actually, we've seen quite a few of those lately. If you remember Snap. Came to market at about $17 a share back in 2017, early 17. And uh, what happened there was uh, the stock went up to 24 bucks, I believe, in the first day. And um, right now it's trading for around 14 bucks. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a year and a half, almost two years later, um, with, a, with an IPO that was very popular. These popular things don't always work out. It, it was popular, but in many ways, it's like Lyft. Um, actually, it has more revenue, and actually, it has still negative earnings, you know, two years after its IPO. So uh, what you've got with Lyft is they've got good revenue generation, but in reality, they're not making money. They're spending more than they, than they bring in. So uh, when you have a situation like that, um, it's every single time I would call it a speculation. So the stock that you bought um, might have been okay. I think at this point I would have told you uh, take the cash bonus, even if I could have seen the financials before I would have told you take the cash. Uh, if you're looking at it as an investment, then I would put it in something else, not uh, not lift. But um, well, it, it's a lot not of, uncommon. Yeah, because companies need to have a proven track record. And, uh, you know, when you have an... <laughs> An IPO for a lot of times they don't have that proven track record. Right, right. And like I say, it's not it's not a horrible thing. We saw Facebook come out right. and struggle it did the when it did something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and, and and it's, it's done very well since it, then. It has uprighted and moved on. And it's also profitable though. Mm-hmm. So you know if you could see your way to a profitable company, maybe it makes sense. But at the moment, I would still call it a speculation. Would you tell him to sell? Uh, well, here's the thing. It came public at 72 bucks. It's mm-hmm. only been a week or so. Um, it's right now about the same price, although it did kind of jump out of the chute a few bucks. I, yeah, I think I would I would still uh, buy something else that's got a much longer track record. Maybe even stocks with dividends. And you know, I think uh, there's there's also plenty of competition for a company like Lyft. There's a, there's Uber, who's also talking about an IPO, has mm-hmm. been for a while. Um, you've even got uh, cabbies who are uniting uh, behind a, a, a new uh, company that's called uh, I can't even think of it right now, but they've got an electronic app that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's making the cab companies a little more competitive. Here is the name of it. So, you know, if you want to go out and look, it's not public either. But um, there there still doesn't make it any less a competitor. Right. Um, but, 
this is not uncommon or unique to these share ride apps or any technology. Um, probably about 50% of the IPOs, I've done studies on this before. Um, in fact, back when I was talking about Blue Apron and Snap mm -hmm. and some of the others that, that came public, and they always get a lot of press up front. But the next thing you know, uh, the, the price swoons just like this one. And, and when you don't have earnings, it's hard to justify. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the long run, I would say, yeah, I, th I think I could get behind telling him to sell his his uh, shares. And why not buy a diversified portfolio, especially of a company whose stock uh, uh, who company, whose company you don't work for specifically. Right. You can control that risk. Absolutely. All right. So I'm telling you the market's going to be up next week. Any other time? Oh. Oh. How about that? Three ups. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.